Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Um, man, so I, we're launching into a new series this morning called Crazy Prayers. So, um, so I am. Uh, I, I began to look at. Um, kind of what's going on in the headlines in the world world around us, and I'm so tired of the church living a life of that feels powerless. That just feels like, man, there you know, I, we're just waiting on Jesus to come back, right? I've said that myself. Like I've just been there. Like this world sucks so bad. I never understood what the the Old Testament saints or New Testament saints said when they said, "Even so, Lord, come quickly." They're like, look. Rome has lost its mind and people, you know, we're getting persecuted and there's no hope and blah, blah, blah. Even so, Lord, come quickly. They're just like, you know what? Let's just toot, toot, scoot. I'm, I'm done. Right? Like, I'm out. I'm, I'm, I'm over this world. You can have it. But what God really intended for them to do was God intended for them to live a life of power and of substance and of knowing that they have a God who hears them in the Old Testament the prophet said this, let the God who answers by fire, let Him be God. See, at some point you have to come to this place where you're like, God, either show up or don't. Now, everybody has their own opinion. I'm not trying to change yours about this. Is this fair? Because I don't, I don't know how you're brought up this morning. Just to be honest with you, I, I, I don't care. But when I first went in the ministry, uh, I was a youth pastor. And uh, this dude... This dude came to church the first night of the first day that I was a youth pastor. And so let me explain to you. I became a youth pastor because it's what I'd always wanted to do. And I'd, I'd been doing it as a volunteer. And I got my first job. And I sat down behind my big wooden desk because I was in an 8,000-year-old church. They had some big desks. And they were so heavy, once they were in, you never moved them. I think there was a tree there when they built the church and they just whittled it out. That's what I think happened. And so I sat down at this desk and I thought, well, now what? I mean, youth is twice a week like this. You know, what do I do the rest of the week with my time? So that night I was just praying. I was like, God, you know, what do you want me to do? And that night um, we were in revival. And this dude comes down and we're talking about the power of God and the fact that God loves us and the way that God want, you know, cares about our needs. And here comes this dude wheeling down the middle aisle in his wheelchair with pins from his knees to a seven in his feet, or an L, it depends if you're dyslexic or not. But they, they write like his, his legs are wired. Now, we, uh, the, the place that I was at was Thomasville, North Carolina. Uh, the, we had one medical center that I knew of. It's called Chair City Medical. Um, and the doctor there went to our church. And guess who put the pins in? Doctor, right? So what happened was this dude was in a car wreck. And everything got smashed forward, broke both of his legs, ankles, blah, blah, blah. So he's there. So here he comes wheeling up. But here I am. I got my preacher suit on. I got my preacher hairdo. I'll come over to one side. I looked like the Shoney's big boy that had gone to Slim Fast. That's what I look like. You know what I'm talking about? Just so you, just so, and if you don't know what Shoney's is, you need to, you, you need to be born earlier. Um, but so I, I stand there looking like Shoney's big boy. And this dude comes wheeling up. And here's what he said. He said, you know what? If God is God, I want to get up and walk out of this wheelchair. And I thought, oh crap. 
You've, can, can I just say this? You've never lived till you've been in a place where God puts you in a position to go, oh crap. Like a lion's den for me? Hey, we're about to throw you in a lion's den. Crap. Hey, here comes Goliath. Crap. Hey Jesus, if it's you, let me come to you. Come on out. What how I saw that going. Hey Jesus, we need some food for these people. We'll go find some. Found a little boy's lunch. Bring it to me. Crap. Because you never know, right? Like, like those moments just cause you to figure out what you're gonna do. So here's what I did. So I'm standing here. Do wheels up. <laughs> Guys on one side, preachers here. I'm here. We're about to pray. Here's what I'm can I just be honest with you? Here's my heart. Lord, help him to heal over time. God, let his pain medicine just work times ten. That sounds spiritual to me. Doesn't like like doesn't that sound? I mean that that'll work. That'll work. So like if the dude's pain goes away, we won. But no, Cuz wants to walk. Like this is one of those, you know, silver and gold, have a take up your mat. We want to. And I'm like, God, I don't know about this. This is this, this is crazy. Now here's the thing. I don't mind going out on a limb with God, but I've seen some stuff in my time. Now, I'm just being honest for those of us that come from a full gospel background, that that mm, mm, I don't know, right? Like, I want to follow God. I just don't want to follow stupid. But here's what I did. I looked in Scripture and I figured out this. That oftentimes God lives in the place of crazy praise, prayers. God lives in this place where you're like, ah, I want you to pray for something that, that sounds beyond the ability to do it. Now here's the thing. I don't think you've got to look crazy doing it. Now here's the so this wheels up. He's like, man, I want to pray that I get up and walk out of this wheelchair. And I'm like, yeah. Twelve weeks, I believe God with you. Let's get some pins out. Then let's write like, and I never will forget the guy that, that we were praying with said, look, I don't want you to pray for this guy unless if you really believe he's going to get up and walk out of this wheelchair. Crap. <laughs> now here's the problem. They just gave me a job. My job is supposedly to know what the heck's going on with God. Is this way too honest? I don't know what to do with this. Didn't seem like a good option. Just chunking him forward out on the floor, like. So, like, here's my problem: if God heals him, I've got this thing to deal with because now a bunch of my theology is jacked up. Because I came from the school of thought, like, like if God heals you, you might as well take a, a set of dice and just roll them across the floor because it's you know it's however. Some of us have some jacked up theology. Anyway, I was one of them. And so, here's the other thing. But if the dude gets up and walks out of a wheelchair, I'm in trouble. Like, And if he stays in the wheelchair, I'm, this is not a win-win for me. Because if he walks out, a bunch of kids are going to come up to me and they got questions. I don't know. But if he stays in, the same group of kids are going to have a lot of questions. I don't know. So here's my thought. 
I'm like, Lord, here, here's the moment. Here's, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. So I'm going to pray for this guy and I'm going to figure out how big you are. Because this may, this may directly relate to my ability to stay in ministry. Because if you're not big enough to get a dude up out of a wheelchair, you're probably not big enough to get me out of hell. I mean, is it crazy? Yes. Is it accurate? Yeah. So, I decide to do what any good pastor would do. Oh God! Like I am gonna go. Like, like anybody remember the story of Elijah when he like when they're like cutting himself and yelling before the Lord, right? The the funniest line in Scripture is when Elijah looks at him and says, "Maybe your God has gone to relieve Himself." No, read it. It's in the Bible. Basically, he said, "Hey, maybe your God's on the crapper." Maybe if you yell a little louder, he'll hear you. Maybe when he's done wiping up, he'll come out here. That No, no, that was the inference that Elijah made. But here's the question. So he sits there and he goes, so I'm just going to yell a lot and sound spiritual. Oh, God! God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'd heard that before, right? Like, that's in seminary. That sounds good. And so I'm just into my, oh God's real good. Can we just get, if you're from church, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not from church, I hope one day you get the joy of experiencing it. Because some of those people are great, right? Like, like some of the very, right, this is not a judgmental statement. The dude who's praying for him, this is the prayer he prays. Jesus, I've seen you heal people before. Do it again. That ain't long enough. That ain't it. We need some, oh God, right? Like we need a show. Some, maybe some oil. Oil helps. Lubes everything up. It's in the Old Testament. Makes it slick. He'll just, he'll shoot out of the wheelchair. Like, come on, give me something. Like I need some snake oil or something, right? Because otherwise, this is just a crazy prayer where somebody talked to God and is expected God to like do something. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm, oh God! He's like, no, no, hey, the dude taps me. I'm like, but I'm in my old God's, will you stop me? The dude praying, just Jesus, you know, I've seen you do it before, do it again. Taps this dude. He taps me, and he goes, hey, move his feet things. The, I don't, they probably got a name, Audrey can probably tell me. The, I call them feet things. Feet, with their feet go on them in the wheelchair. I'm like, oh God, this is crap. This is bad. This is how lawsuits happen. Like, they, did, they didn't teach me a lot in seminary. But I'm pretty specific. They say, don't throw people out of wheelchairs. <laughs> so we move the feet thing. He puts his feet down. We help him get them down because they're fragile, right? Like, I mean, they're pinned up. I'm aiming. And then he goes, help me up. Crap. <laughs> I did. I was like, do what's up. I'll let him up. So I caught him under the arm. Pastor Christ. Stand him up. I thought this is going to be. I'm expecting. Ah, put me down. Put me down. Right. Like this is what. Right. Because in my mind, I wasn't at a place where I could really believe that God answers crazy prayers. And so the dude stands up. I call it the Frankenstein walk. I'm not making fun of him. But his, his legs are pinned. And he goes. And I'm like, oh, he's going to fall. I mean, Jesus, heal him. And he goes. 
It's like watching a baby gazelle start to walk. It was awkward and it was horrible. But then by the end of it, he's like running around doing this like side to side run, right? And I mean, church just went up. People came up. We, had, we saw a lady come up. She wanted to be healed of cancer. And like we saw all kinds of stuff, right? So then after service, the guy's daughter had, had driven him in his car there. So they're pushing the wheelchair out to the car. She pops the trunk. He folds it up and puts it in the back with her help. And then he asks for the keys. Me and the pastor and the other guy are standing there. And I said, boys, I said, we need to pray again. And they said, why? I said, because I, while I may not be the best theologian, I'm even worse at geometry. But here's what I know. I know that a foot wired together at 90 degrees has two things. Go and stop. He going to throw her through the windshield. This is the 90s. Seatbelts were still up. But, eh, if you want to. You know, hold my beer while I put the seatbelt on. Like it was that theology, right? And I'm like, this dude is... So anyway, he ends up coming, still serves to the church. So, but, but the reality of it was, is that I really did not live in the expectation of seeing God really answer something crazy when I prayed. Now that moment caused me to go back to my office and go, God, I need to go back to the New Testament and see what you really said about prayer and about healing and about whatever. And I have people all the time go, well, I want to argue theologically. I don't know. You can argue theology. You can't argue what I've seen. Like you can look at somebody and go, hey, don't put that in that or it'll blow up. And they're like, uh-uh. You ever watch somebody try to light something with gas and you're like, cuz I'm backing up because you're about to fry yourself. And you're like, huh, I've never seen it do that. Dude, I'm telling you, don't do that. They have no eyebrows. They have no hair. All the arms. Man, I can't believe that. Look, dude, I've seen it before. Yeah, that's why I was over here. Once you see the fire of God, once you see the power of God, once you see the presence of God do something that you never thought God could do, it causes a theological change. Not because like you're all into theology, but I just if God's into it, I want to be into it. If God's not into it, can I be honest? I don't have nothing to do with it. So like, we're going to start a series called Crazy Prayers because I want you to begin to believe God for big things. John chapter 14, verse 12, this is Jesus talking. He says, truly, truly, that's called a double enunciation. Anytime God says something twice, pay attention to it. He said this, truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Let's pause. What did Jesus do? I really wish this was like an open forum thing. It's not. Well, Jesus healed the sick and he, he, he taught Scripture and He saved the lost and he, he discipled people and He sacrificed for people. So what if you sat down and you said, hey, you know what, if I'm really going to be like Jesus, I don't know, i got to do Jesus stuff. People always ask me, how come the apostles walked in an anointing, like, like was it Peter who walked by somebody and like his shadow healed them? Like, how come we don't do that? I'm like, dude, because they believe different than we did. And with each generation after that, somehow because we didn't see Jesus do it, somehow we begin to water it down because we didn't. Un- we prayed for somebody and something didn't happen without knowing all the circumstances around it. So we create a theology that supports God not doing something rather than going, hey, sometimes God does stuff I don't understand. Here was my example. I went to pray for this old lady one time and I went and she's like, Pastor, pray for me. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like calling down fire from heaven, right? Like I'm just believing God with her. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. So I just want, I just want God to heal me and I want to get up. And I got to the door and two of her old lady blue hair friends walk in and she's there. How are you doing? She's like, oh God, I'm going to die. 
Which is it? Jesus said this. He said, man, if you believe in me, you should do the same works that I do. Now, here's the thing. You also can't judge people based on their works. Because sometimes God is doing stuff that you can't see God doing through that person. And sometimes it is not their season. What do you mean? Jesus looked at his mom and said, woman, don't recommend that part. My time has not yet come. It's not the right season. You ever got ready to pick something off of a tree and some old person looked at you and said, it ain't ripe yet. Everything has a season. There's a season where I don't walk around and just randomly pray for Not everybody in a wheelchair do I walk around and pray for. That seems a little weird. But man, in the right season, in the right time, as God lays it on their heart and my heart. Does this make sense? But what is God laying on your heart in this season that looks a lot like something Jesus would ask you to pray for? He goes on and he says this. He said, and, well, I mean, it's up there. Greater, bigger, better, more powerful works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Jesus said, look, man, I am teeing this mug up for you. He goes on, he says this. Well, let me ask you a question. So one of my favorite things are guns. Guns and Jesus, man, I love them. So I had a I had a sound girl who used to work for a lighting girl who used to work for me, and she was about this tall. She's like four foot tall, and she weighed three pounds. One New Year's Eve, they were over at our house. She said, "Pastor, Pastor, I want to shoot a shotgun." Look, you really don't. Oh yes, I do. Oh no, you don't. Oh yes, so I'm like, all right, down. So I went and got my 12 gauge. And I've got a 12 gauge that will hold magnum loads. Now if you don't know what a magnum load is, it's like a big load that drank a Red Bull down to Mountain Dew and then got in a sports car. It's like after smoking meth. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's ready to go. So I told her, I brought a shotgun out there. And here we go. I said, well, I'm going to put my hand under the gun. She said, I don't need you to. I said, nah, I kind of want to. And I held my hand just like this. And so she pulled the trigger and I caught it right as she flew across my side yard. And she said, whoo, that, that, that's a lot more powerful than I thought it was. Here's the thing. God will only release power when you're, under, when you're able to control the power that He releases. It's like this. Don't ever buy a 16-year-old a, a, a V8. Don't, don't buy your son a Mustang. Your son does not need a Mustang. Your son need, needs a Kia. Not the new ones with the turbos, the old ones where you had to put the hamster food in the beginning. Because why? Because they can't they can't control. Look, they're gonna wreck a Lincoln Continental. You know what I'm talking about? Like, remember the old land sleds? I lit, my first car was a Ford Fairmont. I could hit a I could hit a driver from the back of my car, and it would only get to the from the trunk, and it would only get to the first front seat. It's for real. Like, to, if you were in the back seat and you want to talk to the people in the front seat, it was long distance. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. You weren't getting hurt in that car. We used to ride down the interstate and hit the orange barrels in Mebane. Anyway, has nothing to do with it. But here's the thing. If you, if you can't control the power, why would God give you the power? Because here's the thing. Miracles are not for your glory. They're not for you to walk in like you're Gandalf.
Romans 8, 11 says this. So here's the thing. Jesus talks about power that we have. But here's my question. Do you pray like you have power? Matter of fact, Paul writes and he says this in Romans 8, 11. He said, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your moral bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. God said this. He said, man, the Holy Spirit is what raised Jesus from the dead. With the sin of humanity on Him. Past, present, and future. Jesus came up out of the grave like, oh, death couldn't hold me. But then He looks at you and says, man, but that same Spirit lives in you. The same Holy Spirit lives in every believer. He says this, He said, he said why because of sin in your life? and Why because of doubt? And why because of unbelief? Do you live like somebody who has no Now, and we're going we're gonna to frame all this in, into a context in just a second. Matthew 7.20 says this. He said, uh, because of, be, uh, he said to them, Because of your little faith, I truly say, if you have faith like the size of a mustard seed, say to this mountain, uh, move from here to there, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now here's the thing. Everybody goes, I don't know that I have enough faith to believe in that. That's not true. Just how much how much faith do you really have to have? We're going to get into, into doubt and unbelief in a couple weeks, but but here's the question. Jesus said this. He said, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, the mustard seed is about the size of the tip of a ballpoint pen. You don't have to have much. And he said, and you can move mountains. Now people all the time go, man, um, um, I prayed for this and nothing happened. Okay, that's fair. Are there parameters to it? I was with I was with a guy one time. We were talking about this, and the pastor that I worked for, very educated guy, came up and said, huh, "Well, you believe that you pray for anything and you get it. How about pray for a million dollars?" He said, "Okay." He said, "He said, well, why don't you pray for me to get a million dollars?" He said, "Well, here's the difference between you and me." I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> Two people I love about to go head to head in a death match for Jesus. He said, the difference between you and me is you pray for a million dollars for you. I would pray for a million dollars so that I could give it away to somebody else. I'm not building my kingdom. I'm building his. So I went to, to well, it, it, it caused a question, right? So here's what I did. It said, man, why do some prayers go unanswered? I'm going to give you a short version. Um, we pray with our own passions, not the will of God. How do we know the will of God? It's in the Word of God. So if you're praying for something that you know isn't in the, isn't in the Word of God, stop it. Can I be honest? Some people do. Most of us do not need to win the lottery. You may be able to handle it. My sister said this the other day. She said, I, I, she said occasionally I'll play the lottery. She said, but I never, uh, I always pray this prayer when I buy a ticket. God, if this is going to keep me, my children, or my children's children from finding you because we have a bunch of money, will you please give it to somebody else? I never prayed that prayer. I'm like, I'm like God, it's $182 billion. I'll build it right. Like I'm not even thinking like that spirit. That's what I said. She probably should have been the pastor. But anyway, he said, uh, James 4.3 says, you, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, is there anything wrong with asking God for a miracle to keep your lights on or, or open the doors for a job? Or No, that's absolute, man, that's in the will of God. 
Jesus said this, I want you to prosper even as your soul prospers. There is a correlation between your earthly prosperity and how where you are relationally to God. But here's the thing. If money is going to become your God, God will keep money out of your hand. Now, if money is a tool that you're going to use to promote the gospel. Now, you know the great thing I love about receiving from God? Imagine you've got a whole tree. Big old tree. You got a hundred apples. Ain't nobody need to eat a hundred apples. Maybe in a year, not in a day, not even a week. You're going to find things you didn't even know existed. So what God says is this. He said, okay, pull 90 of them down. You can have all those. But I want you to take 10% and, and give them to me. But now, if, if, if you're really a person that, that believes in God, you're going to go, okay, God, there's your 10%, but my neighbor down here doesn't have any apples. Let me take them a couple apples. So, so your 10% tithe may end up looking more like 15 or 20 because you're a generous person. Well, generous people, if God can get it through you, He will get it to you. God will answer the prayers of people who don't just pray for themselves. They pray for others. You should have a running book of stuff you're believing God for, not just for your life. People come up to me all the time and go, hey, will you pray for my cousin Ned? Ned's in, you know, I don't know. And I'm like, yeah, hold on, let me make a note because I'll forget Ned. And don't be trying to get over on God. God, pray for everybody that I forgot. Nah, how about you try to remember some of them? That's like me getting to the grocery store and going, God, I got everything I think Tracy wanted. God, just help it to be everything she wanted. No, pick it like. Matter of fact, um, the other thing is this. So, so when we pray for our own selfish desires, not praying inside the will of God. But two, Mark eleven twenty two through twenty five. And Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. And there's your beginning. Because when you have faith that God is doing it, it changes the way you'll talk about it after God does it. He goes on, he says this, he said, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. Now, can I just say that there's a difference in doubting in your heart and doubting in your head? We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks. The dude comes to Jesus. Jesus, I believe it even so helped my unbelief. My heart wants to believe. My head is what I'm having trouble with. So when Jesus writes it, it so people all the time go, I'm praying double-minded because I have these things that float around in my head. Now that makes you human. That's where the battle for what you're looking for takes place. He said this, he said, um, uh, but does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. It'll be done for them. Him. Therefore, I tell you, Whatever you ask in, in prayer, believe you have received it and it'll be yours. Now, this is huge. This is huge because what it causes you to do is have, have faith before you see results. Faith is the substance of things hoped for based on the evidence of things not seen. Man, I'm praying for my kid, but the more I pray, the worse my kid acts. Whoo, we getting close then. What big things do you... Re- oh, let me finish this scripture and then I'll, this, I'm at my transitional point. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask, believe you received, it'll be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. God will not hear your prayer if, you, if there's unforgiveness in your heart. You know what, Jesus? Who do I need to forgive? God, every time I see them, they make my blood boil. Jesus, I forgive them, but God, help my heart to follow my head and my confession. Okay, I want you to hear me. Man, look, what, I, what, 
God, if it was up to me, I would stab them, but I don't want to be me. No, no, no. That's not a... Because here's the... People think that forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. God, I, every time I see them, I still feel this kind of way. But you know what? That's when I confess, confess my forgiveness over them because my feelings are not my choice. But my choice will dictate my feelings. Does this make any sense? Man, look, look you, still, you still have the ability to push every button God gave me, but I choose not to let the elevator doors open. You can, you can stand outside and push all the buttons you want to, but I ain't opening the doors. Jay's not going to like this. Anybody ever seen the police videos where they don't have a search warrant, but they ring in the heck out, and then they do that popo knock, boom, 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 and somebody's inside, hello? Johnny there? And you can tell they're faking their voice. No, Johnny, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, and they're like, we know you're in here, we're not leaving. They're like, okay, and then like nine hours later, they get in their police car and they drive off because they don't have the warrant to get in. See, here's the thing, the enemy wants to push your buttons, but he doesn't have the warrant to come inside. And oftentimes it's through unforgiveness and that kind of thing. What God said is this. He said, look, he said, when you pray, be sure that you've forgiven the people in your life that need to be forgiven. You need to forgive the people that don't deserve to be forgiven because you didn't deserve it. And I can't do for you what I want to do for you. Why don't I talk about other pastors? Because I want God to hear my prayer. Why don't I talk about other churches? Because I want God to hear me. Why when people are talking about me, does it not bother me? It may bother me a little bit, but like I'm not going to like whatever. Like you do you, boo. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like I'm, I'm more interested in God hearing me than you thinking I'm right. My wife asked me one time when we were first married, she said, why don't you defend yourself to people sometimes? I'm like, well, did, did Jesus? Sometimes, just take it. You look more like Jesus. Yeah, but they... They, man, they all but slapped you. Yeah, but they really slapped Jesus. He could have called down all heaven. He could have, he could have made their bodies explode from the inside out. He could have given them like bed bugs, diarrhea, gonorrhea, typhoid, and the chicken pox all at one time. That was funny. I don't care who you are. Some of y'all going. Some of y'all going to be praying different. He said he said an STD. Yes, he did. He did. He said it in church. Uh, y'all can't judge anything I say this morning. I'm wild, man. So here's the point. Here's the point. But he didn't because God put such a premium on unforgiveness. I mean, on forgiveness and dealing with your unforgiveness. He said, if you have anything against anyone. Now Jesus is getting into the heart of who we are. He said, man, if you want to expect big things, you have to live pure. Not just, well, Christi, a lot of churches in Christianity make, want to make pure like you're not watching HBO, which like I get. But purity starts from the heart. He said, man, if there's anything that you're offended, not even if you're like, if, 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 you're, if you've got something against somebody, man, get that right in your heart before you talk to me. Because that will be a speed bump that I can't get your, your prayer over. And he said this, so that your Father who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. Here's my question. Why don't you take your phone out? If you don't have a phone, get a piece of paper out. If you don't have a piece of paper, borrow your pen and write it on the back of your hand. This is for real. 
And if you can't answer this prayer right now, my prayer is that by the end of the day you can. And don't olay this one. Don't come to church at 9 o'clock and then don't do anything with it the rest of the week. What big thing do you need God to do in your life? For the next 30 days, I want you to pray over something that's so big, it seems crazy that God would even do it. Like maybe it's a financial breakthrough. Maybe it's a, it's a rebellious kid coming home. Maybe, maybe it's a spouse that needs to come to know the Lord. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an addiction you need to break. Maybe it's, I don't know what it is. What one thing do you really need God to do? Or maybe it's more than one. That is so big, it seems crazy. What if you prayed it? Do you honestly have to wrestle and go, I don't even think God's going to do it if I ask Him. Scary, isn't it? I love it. Let me ask you a question. Though. Isn't that where Jesus really lives? Here's what I want you to do. As you write it down, as we go through the next 30 days, as you see the Lord do these, I want you to send me a text and go, hey, you're not going to believe what God did. Because we're going to celebrate what God is doing. Jesus said this, He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. What we want to think is that that's just us talking about Jesus. Man, anybody can talk about Jesus. People want to be involved in people's lives when they see God moving in people's lives. How many guys came to Jesus on a mountaintop? How many of y'all came to Jesus in the valley? Do you know why we need crazy prayer? Because here's the thing. Do you know the sequel to this probably needs to be? Crazy praise. Because once you see God answer a crazy prayer, anybody ever had, like, you had God do something that was like, like you applied for the $15,000 a year job, but you got the fifty, and you're like, hello, yes, this is he or she. Oh, well, I take that job? <sighs> yes, I believe I will. I'll see you on Monday. Wow! Right? Like, have you ever had, like, 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 man, we thought we could get the house, but we were like, well, we weren't really sure how it was going to work out. Oh, the loan went through. Okay, yeah, thank you so much. Yes, yes. Yeah, I believe that, right? Like, because, or you just knew the medical test was going to go X, X way. But then you got the results and it wasn't. Or, you got the results and it was. But then God. Uh, I, I, was, I was so excited. I was talking to Pastor Dave uh, yesterday. And he said, man, you're going to believe this. I thought, oh, yes, I will. Favor ain't fair. The favor of God is not fair. It's for His kids. Look, I do stuff for my son. I ain't doing it for anybody else. I love you. I ain't doing your laundry. I love you. I ain't filling your gas tank up. I mean, well, I would if you needed it, but you get what I'm saying. Like, you ain't coming to my house every night for dinner. You're not walking in my house with, with the door unlocked. You come to my house and I don't know it. You love us. You're going to see Jesus. That's all I'm going to say. You're going to see him. You're going to go, Hallelujah. How'd I get here? Adam, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's factual. Why can my son do that? Because the favor that I give him is not fair to the rest of the world. He has it because he's my son. If I had a daughter, it'd be equally, if not more, horrible. 
So here's the reality. God said this. He said, I want to do things in your life and give you my favor that aren't even going to look fair to the rest of the world. Jesus, Scripture says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to bless you, prosper you, and to give you hope and a future. So what do you need to pray that's so crazy that it's going to ignite your faith? What is your wheelchair moment where you're like, God, I could pray for this, but I don't even want anybody to know because they're going to think I'm, I've lost my mind. So the question is, is, isn't it the God that answers by fire? That's God. Like, when did we get so afraid to see if God would really show up? Are we afraid that He won't show up? Or are we maybe afraid that He will? Does this make sense? Here's my prayer. I want you to see that the God of the universe who raised Jesus from the dead, who, who brought dead things back to life. When Jesus had brought Lazarus back from the dead, he walked in and cried, did his whole moment, right? Jesus wept short of Scripture in the, in the Bible. So if you ever want to go, I quote Scripture, go, Jesus wept, you, you got it. Shortest, shortest passage in the Bible. <clears throat> then he looks at Lazarus. Lazarus wrapped up, Scripture says, in bedclothes. He looks like a mummy. And goes, Lazarus, come forth. Uh, right, like... <laughs> It's the first Walking Dead series. And, <clears throat> but listen to, listen to how much faith Jesus had in His heavenly Father. Hey Lazarus, get up. Listen to the simplicity of the prayer. What if you're like, God, I'm just tired of this and I need you to move this mountain. In the next 30 days, I'm believing that you're going to move this mountain. Because I'm going to be honest, we're going to start posting stuff we want you to pray for. You need, you need to get either a note in your phone, you need to get a little, one of them little nerdy you know, flip books or a notebook or whatever you need to get. We've got some Thrive journals in the back. Just take one. We've got like four or five left. I think you can have them. We'll, plenty more, we'll order them. But you need to keep a running list of what you pray for. What other people ask you to pray for. Because here's what I believe. I think you're going to see things come to pass that you never thought possible. And it's going to shape your theology more than any teaching I could ever do. Can I get a witness? Do you have your thing? If you don't have your thing, I'm, I'm telling you, by the end of the day, you need to have it because you need 30 days of just wearing that thing out. Now here's the thing. You're going you're, you're, you're gonna to face some stuff. The minute you start praying like this, you start making the devil real nervous. Because you'll empty you yourself out, but you'll also yank about 50 people out of hell once you, once you really catch it. And you're like, you can't believe this. God answered my prayer. What else can I pray for? And then you'll be like, I just don't want to pray for me. I want to pray for you because I want you to see what I saw. Anybody know who I pull for in, ten, in football? Oh, that's... <laughs> there is one... Huh. There is one Judas in every set of disciples. That's why you never mess with a pastor. I'm just saying. I don't have to, I don't have to come in here and go, guys, you're not going to believe this. I pulled for Tennessee yesterday. Everybody goes, yeah, pastor, we know. No, here, here's the why. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When God starts doing stupid things in your life, crazy 
things and answering crazy prayers and you be, be, begin to believe God for big things, what's going to happen is people are going to begin to know you as somebody that God walks with. And everybody with a problem within 800 miles of you is going to start coming to you. Now, you can either get the Gandalf syndrome or you can get the Jesus syndrome. Paul said, and I, Paul, chief among sinners. And there, there's nothing super special about me. Look, the thing that makes me special is I'm a son of the living God. I met Jesus on a road and He knocked me off my donkey onto my donkey and my donkey ain't never been the same again. What does, God, what does God want to don knock you off your donkey about? Now, the, 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 like, I'm not joking. I think that there's a crazy prayer that's inside of you that has the potential to change your universe and somebody else's. The question is, do you have the courage to believe it? Let's pray. Father, as we come to close, in the midst of all the humor, in the midst of all of that stuff. God, you are the God who answers crazy prayers. Father, I ask that today you give us the courage to pray crazy prayers. God, believe in you not only to do big things, but honestly, God, to do impossible things. God, you are the God who makes the impossible possible. You're the God who spoke the universe into existence. Your spirit brought Jesus back from the dead while holding the sins of humanity. God, today there's nothing bigger than you. God, there's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't heal. There's nothing you can't restore. There's nothing you can't... Um, there's nothing you can't do in this moment if we'll only trust You. So Father, will You plant in our hearts a crazy prayer? And then God, I'm going to trust You to do exceedingly abundantly above anything I could ask, think, or believe. That we could ask, think, or believe. In this moment, if you're here and you're like, Pastor, I, I want to believe God for big things, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be with God. Will you just slip your hand up? here or online. We just want to pray with you. Can we just pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, right now I invite you into my life. ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me right with you. Today I confess that I'm a sinner saved by your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, so yeah, absolutely. Give these folks a round of applause. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.